This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Beverly Isla. Thank you for tuning in to today's topic on how rescue dogs are really the ones that rescue us. Our amazing guests today really play a role in helping rescue dogs and other animals become the best version of what they can be. We have Penn Farthing, named the CNN Hero of the Year in 2014. He's also a former Royal Marine Sergeant runs Nauzad Charity, which is the first official animal shelter in Afghanistan. And they help rehome, treat and rehabilitate dogs, as well as reunite them with the veterans who rescued them on the front lines. We also have Sandra, aka Sandy, and Anna, who runs Pets for Vets in New Brunswick, Canada. And they adopt some of the dogs rescued by Nauzad in Afghanistan, bring them to Canada, where they can be trained to be a service dog. So both organizations work hand-in-hand to provide a double contribution in helping rescue dogs, who in turn help veterans or those with PTSD, for example. So when we get back from these messages, Sandy, Anna, and Penn will join us. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save the Pooch. We are talking with Penn Farthing from the Nowzad Charity and Sandy and Anna from Pets for Vets, New Brunswick. So thank you guys for taking the time today. This is a very meaningful topic. So I don't know who can explain this first, but what's your story in working with each other? How do your operations come together to fulfill a bigger mission or picture? Well, I suppose I can start. I heard about Nowzad over social media and we heard about Buddy, who was a dog that was rescued by an Australian soldier and brought to Nowzad for safekeeping. And he was there for about a year and was not being adopted. So an all call went out over Nowzad over the internet about whether or not somebody could adopt this dog. And we decided that we could because we were also adopting other dogs in Canada. And we have a big 100-acre farm in New Brunswick. So we adopt Buddy, and just a lovely dog. He's very independent. We already had a Buddy, so we renamed him Murphy. And he's a very long-legged, white, 
hound dog. They get a glorious winter fur, which is what he's got right now. Mm-hmm. They're, they alert over anything. So if you can't stand a barking dog, you should not get one of these hound dogs. And in New Brunswick, we're affiliated with a base gauge town, Canadian Army base. And I see a lot of soldiers with PTSD. I'm a physician. And it just seemed to come together about getting these dogs. Dogs are fantastic for people with PTSD. And some of the Nowzad dogs were going to the U.S., to help soldiers with PTSD, and I thought perhaps we could bring them over here for our soldiers with PTSD. So we had met Penn in Pennsylvania, actually, and I asked him if we could get together and adopt these dogs and bring them over. Oh, that's how you guys met in the U.S. I'm like, when were they in Afghanistan? And Anna, how did you you, uh, fit in the picture here? Uh, supporting Sandra, doing the uh, helping with reading and getting information and uh, general support, and also one of the things that was important to us as well is is getting the dogs to a safe place and just helping out in general and doing some training and things like that with the dogs. So Sandy's a, a big driver in the uh, training field now and providing support right now that's amazing amazing to, uh, i haven't really talked to a lot of canadian organizations so i'm glad that you guys are out there in the east i'm i'm from toronto so i'm not too too far away so i'm glad that you guys are doing that pen are you there pen hello <laughs> yeah how you doing great to be on thanks very much yeah so i've read a little bit about your story and i find it really fascinating so maybe you can talk to us about when was that moment when you decided that you wanted to pair rescue dogs with the veterans like how did i know you did some work abroad so maybe you can get into that a bit well i mean it all started from when i was actually serving as a royal marine commando down in Helmand province in afghanistan back in 2006 and we were there on the ground. We weren't having it all our own way. The Taliban were uh, keeping us busy most days. And for me, you know, I was concentrating on that job of being a soldier in Afghanistan. And I never even thought remotely about animal welfare or anything like that until a problem came. And it was noted that sadly some of the Afghan police who were in our compound with us were actually organizing dog fights. And they oh. just get two feral dogs off the streets. Yeah, it's just they're just two feral dogs off the streets, and because they're territorial, the dogs will want to obviously dominate each other. So these Afghan policemen would actually, you know, use that as a sport, and they were making these two dogs fight, and there was no way I was just going to allow them to do that. Whoa. So I, you know, thankfully our guns were bigger than theirs, so I jumped in, broke up the dog fight, and thought that was it. I didn't realize one of those dogs that had been used in the fight would actually run into our compound and hide himself away, and that's where I found him. And that dog, he was there, sadly he's had his ears had been chopped off, his tail was missing, he had loads of scars on his face from the fight that he'd been made to take part in. And he just didn't like people at all. And I thought I had to get him out so that none of my soldiers got bitten. But in that process of trying to get him out, me and him actually bonded. He became, you know, trustworthy. He, he would trust me. I think maybe because I had lots of military biscuits I keep, kept feeding him. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, and then I realized that actually for the five, ten minutes each day that I was sat with him, I was chilling out. And that was just something that wasn't normally happening in my daily routine. There wasn't any time to chill, but I could actually sit with this dog and just forget about Afghanistan and pretend I was somewhere else. Wow. You know, and, and I think that's, you know, from that moment on, I realized then, you know, this connection and the power that these dogs have to actually help people like me at the time get through what I was dealing with. And then in the future, you know, dogs helping soldiers as they come back to the countries because obviously there's still a massive problem with soldiers coming back to the U.S. and to Canada, you know, and who are struggling to deal with everything they've seen and been through during these conflicts. Oh, yeah. And dogs have this amazing ability to be able to connect with those soldiers and 
and help them get through that process. And that's how this whole journey that we're now on with Ollie and Sandy have began. And it's just absolutely amazing. Now, how do you even keep tabs of which soldiers that have finished their term and have come back to the U.S. or Canada and which dogs they actually hung out with over there? How do you keep tabs of that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, uh-huh. that part of it. Yeah. Um, I would take being a Royal Marine sergeant in Afghanistan being shot at over <laughs> the administration that goes behind this organization. I tell you, it's, um, we've got a fabulous team. It's absolutely amazing. And I can't take credit for all the amazing things that have happened. It's our team who've got there. And I really do want to also applaud our amazing Afghans because Malzad has, the, as you said in the, your intro, the first ever shelter out in Afghanistan. But we also have the first ever animal clinic and this animal clinic is actually manned by the first two female afghan nationals who we've trained to be qualified veterinarians and these girls they're there every single day they're helping with the soldiers to get in touch with us they'll go through the nowzad clinic the dogs will come to us they're vaccinated they're neutered and then from there obviously once we've fundraised they'll then go to the soldiers who's who maybe have already adopted them while they've been on the front lines out in afghanistan or yeah, they've come to us and said, actually, we're back home now, but we'd like to adopt one of your dogs. Uh, we didn't have the opportunity while we're out in Afghanistan to look after a dog, but we'd like to make that you know, connection now. Um, and it's thanks to you know, people like Sandy and Oni who are there in Canada who are helping us to help pair these up with soldiers. Um, because, you know, I said, we can just do it on our own. We need this amazing team. And thankfully, Nowzad has got an amazing team of supporters out there worldwide who are making the difference. That's amazing. I love hearing stories. Good for you, Penn and Sandy and Nana. So we're just going to have a quick break and we'll continue with our topic of rescue dogs transforming into service dogs. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. My Golden Retriever Sundance is a lot more playful now. She has more pep. And energy. Tons of energy. Happy the rescue dog is happy the healthy dog. Petey is having fun again. He's got a shiny coat and a good healthy weight. Molly's been having four scoops a day. She pushes her little bowl all the way across the room, emptying every last single crumb. She has slimmed down and gotten this puppy look. She's got life. She's got energy. We get asked all the time when we're at shows, how do you get your dog so healthy and shiny and glossy? D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. Just feed your dog right. Do the Dynavite. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Penn Farthing from Nowzad Charity, as well as Pets for Vets, New Brunswick, who work hand-in-hand rescuing and rehabilitating rescue dogs. Thank you for your story, Penn. That's that's really amazing. And, and Sandy, maybe I'll turn it over to you. Now, with the dogs coming from Afghanistan and having to reintegrate into Canada's environment, 
Do you receive feedback after they leave your organizations to their homes just to see like how they're transforming? Yes, we're, we're very involved with the soldiers and the people who get our, we're brand new at this. So we've rehomed one dog to a soldier and we've one dog to a civilian. And we know these people intimately. It's really hard to give up a dog. I don't know oh, how people yeah. who bring dogs, you know, who sell dogs, who breed dogs. I don't know. Seriously, I don't know how they give them up. So we're very in touch. These people are our families. And um, so the Afghan dogs are, at first, they're, they alert on everything. They're always sniffing the wind. They uh-huh. they can tell you what's, you know, yeah. like oh, yeah. kilometers away. And I think if the soldier knows that the dog is sleeping, they can sleep. That's one of the best positives about oh. having an Afghan dog to be your PTSD dog. If they're chilled, you you can chill because they alert on anything. And at first, they alert on a lot, and they love to chase birds, so you've got to have them on leash. But after a while, they calm down, and they're not quite as chill as our own native dogs, but they're almost there. Okay. And they're very, very trainable, very they're bright and they're very independent. They're brilliant dogs and very loving. But oh, okay. that in- also makes them, you've got to stubborn? watch them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could almost say stubborn. They're easy to train, but they, they have their own brain once they have something scented or sighted that they want to chase. Right. It's good to have them on a leash. Good. Yeah. I, I can vouch for that, yeah, many times. Oh, yeah? <laughs> they're a very loyal dog, too. I think being having a Asian shepherd, they're a very pack-oriented dog and, and very protective of that, and, and that what's, that's what makes them so alert as well because they want to make sure that everything is, is safe. And um, and that whatever might be coming close would be is going to be alerted and not come any closer. So they're they're very loyal dogs too and and watchful. And um, our first two dogs from Afghanistan, Murphy, and then the second one that we had, his name was Blue. They would be on the front deck, head up, watching, nose smelling. And our local native rescues, the local rescues that we had, they'd be fast asleep lying in the grass and the sun and not paying attention to anything. But our now Zed rescues, they were always alert and watching. And they do, like Sandra said, they, they do calm down and they become very loyal. And, and with training, they're very respondent, uh, very good dogs. That's awesome. Yeah, but, yeah without a doubt. I mean, we actually were, we were in Afghanistan just a, a week or so ago, and um, we were in a Kuchi camp because we run projects there helping to reduce the stray dog population humanely by neutering and vaccinating against rabies because there's a massive problem in Afghanistan where, sadly, over a 1,000 Afghans a year are bitten by a rabid dog, and they die because there are no vaccines to combat that out in Afghanistan, whereas in Canada or America, you could actually get a vaccine you know, the next day and, and be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and we were at this coochie camp and it was amazing because there were some coochie dogs sat there, but they were surrounded by goats, sheep and cows and believe it or not, two little baby rabbits. And these dogs didn't bat an eyelid because their job you know, was to be there and protect all of that environment. And as oh. soon as we rocked up, these dogs went absolutely berserk. You know, until one of the Afghan coochie men, you know, told the dogs, you know, to be quiet, it was okay. You know, we were friends. And then the dogs just completely sat down and didn't even look at us again. And I was just like, oh, I want that training. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. You know, absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. And these dogs just ignored us then for the rest of the day while we went about vaccinating the cows and, and doing everything else that we were there to do. And it was just somebody he just said one word to these dogs and they just sat back down again and then that was it. Um, so as you know, Sandy was saying there, they are just 
absolutely amazing dogs. And, and it's just you know, such a shame that you know, it's taken until now for there to be you know, these animal welfare projects that are ongoing out in Afghanistan to, to make a difference for them. And I'm just so glad that we have that network of people who could help us to adopt some of these dogs out for you know loving forever homes. Yeah, it's good to know that you guys exist out there. I didn't even know what was there to help out. But in that area, are there people... How do, I know I'm a little bit ignorant, but how does it work there? Do they become, like, do the locals humanize them? How do they, or are they mainly used for guard dogs once they're adopted? Um, no, yeah, no, no. I mean, well, we actually run a program where we adopt out in Afghanistan as well, and things are completely changed. And everybody, like, there's a massive misconception about, you know, the Afghan people that the fact because of Islam, people believe that they don't like dogs, which right. you know, couldn't be further from the truth. Ah. Um, you know, religion has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's like walking in a you know, street in America or Canada. I could walk down the road and ask 10 people and say, do you like dogs? And I could have five people say, yes, I do. And five people say, no, I don't. And it's exactly the same out in Afghanistan. And right. we now, 75% of the clientele now that comes to the Nalzad Clinic are actually Afghan nationals bringing their dogs. You know, we have this old gentleman, he's in his 70s, he's Afghan gentleman, doesn't speak a word of English, yet he's got, he comes into our clinic, um, he rides in a, an Afghan taxi, um, he opens the back door, and these two little chihuahuas jump out of the back of the taxi, <laughs> they follow him into our clinic to get their health checks, and then when they're finished and we vaccinated them, they just follow him back out, jump back into the taxi, and he takes them home. And talking to him via our staff, he absolutely adores these two little dogs. But under the rule of the Taliban, uh-huh. you know, obviously 12 years ago, he was unable to keep dogs because it was a flogging offence to own a dog under the rule of the Taliban. Really? So now, yeah, so now uh-huh. that people feel secure, I mean, and that's, that's also something I think that maybe digressing a little bit, but people don't, I think that the message never get, never got across over in Canada and America was you know, why were troops out in Afghanistan, what did they achieve? But through the security that troops brought by being on the ground, that's allowed the Afghan people to actually go back to the kind of society they were before the Taliban took over and that's allowed and I know it's only, you know, it's only tiny but it's allowed those people for example who want to have dogs or cats as pets again to be able to do so you know it yeah. allowed girls to go to school you know which is something absolutely amazing and, and massive and these girls who went to school when the Taliban removed from power are actually now you know and two of them are now our female veterinarians because <laughs> they were allowed cool. to be educated you know, yeah. and that's down to American and Canadian and British troops who are on the ground who provided the security. So, you know, in all, it's amazing things happening out in Afghanistan. And then it's just so amazing that we've got, you know, Canadians, you know, Sandy and Oni there to actually help us to carry on that process. So our Afghan staff are now seeing that, you know, what happens with their efforts and the fact that now Canadians are being able to benefit from that and especially soldiers. So it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, that is. That is so, I love hearing that. I love that, Pen. How often are you down there? Uh, we go out to Afghanistan, me and my other half, Hannah. We're out there probably about six, seven times a year. So we just come back just about a week or so ago, and then I'm back out myself in, uh, on the 2nd of January. So it is because I, I absolutely love the place. It's an amazing country. Yeah. Um, and it, it just helps when I'm starting to do all the emails to actually then go out and play with the dogs afterwards. So, uh, yeah, it's absolutely fabulous. And I've got stories to tell you, because I'm not sure whether Sandy and Ollie are going to actually um, stand up here and admit to the amazing thing they've done. But nearly two years ago now, I think it was, Sandy, I think if I'm right, with Wonder, that was two years ago, wasn't it? Almost a year and a half, yeah. two years yep. ago? Yeah. Yeah, but myself and Hannah were actually out on Kabul on the streets, and um, we'd heard about this dog that apparently was in a drainage ditch. 
and this was the height of winter. It was January, probably 2015, I think. And um, we were, you know, it was really, really cold. So we went out hunting for this dog. And we eventually came across this drainage ditch which was about two foot deep, full of rubbish. And there was this little brown dog cuddled up against, you know, the, the cold. And oh, when no. we took a closer look, we could actually see this little puppy. And um, we were like, oh, my God, we've, you know, we've got to get her out. And obviously, we weren't too sure, you know, how she's going to react because she'd been out in the street. So, you know, she might be a little bit aggressive towards people because she's had to, you know, survive. But we jumped into this ditch to get her out. Oh, my God. She came straight over to us. Absolutely amazing. Uh, I could pick her up, got her out of the ditch. We got into the car with her puppy, took her back to the clinic. And that's where we realized she was actually suffering from glycoma. So there was nothing we could do. She couldn't see anything. She basically looked after this puppy purely by smell. You know, and, and she managed, this puppy was only, you know, maybe five, six days old at the time. Um, and so we obviously treated her. Sadly, we had to remove both her eyes. But that didn't stop her being this absolutely amazing mum. And we were obviously desperate then. Once, you know, we'd, we'd had her a while and the pup was doing well, we wanted to find her a home. Um, and Ollie and Sandy were like, yep, just send her to Canada. We'll look after her and we'll, we'll work with the pup and we'll get her trained. So absolutely amazing to those two for just standing up and volunteering straight off the bat to look after <laughs> a dog and wonder she's doing absolutely amazing. I get lots of photographs of her out in the snow and she's chasing around after a pup which was named Thorak, which is absolutely brilliant to see. And it, it just yeah, really makes this job so worthwhile when we, we have success stories like that. Yeah. I can imagine. Whatever happened, what's her ending story, Sandy? Wonder is, uh, I don't, I can't imagine how many litters that Wonder's had. She's had her eyes removed. We've considered her elderly. We have no idea how old she is. She just basically toddles around outside and either in the snow or in the grass. She loves our orchard and she finds her way around. She's got a little blinky <laughs> collar. That's how we find her. And she finds her way back into the house. She just sleeps most of the day. And um, she's got some mammary tumors. They are cancerous, but the vet doesn't think that they've spread, and we excise them as they come up. And her daughter is being groomed to be our next uh, PTSD dog. She's wonderful. Sirak is, oh, my God, she's a delight. She's bold, and she's a fast learner. I don't know if every now and then you hear a little ringing, but she's dinging the bells because she wants to go outside and play. And it's minus <laughs> Minus 14 here right now, and she's wanting to go out. Oh, wow, good for you, Sandy and Hannah. Yeah. We're what about is- to wrap up, so I'd like to ask um, all three of you, what is your guys' next step in your in your mission? You guys pretty much like a... It's like a relay, Ona wants to go to Cabell. Pen, by the way, he wants to come visit you. <laughs> and he wants to pick out our next dog. Oh, oh. Well, so you're absolutely we, more than welcome, Oni. Absolutely no problem with that. Yeah, we, we, would, can, we, we would like to have a placement. We're, we've got a few elderly dogs, so we're going down in, in numbers. And we'll have room for another young pup in the next year or so. We're not in any rush. but And find a nice pup that is friendly and calm and confident, just something like what Sirak is right now, and then be able to find a placement and match a soldier or, or match someone up with one of these dogs. That's sort of what I see where we're going next. Great. Um, and uh, also provide a place for the training and, and so on. Awesome. Well, I hope that turns out for you. Thank you for your interest. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I wish your clinic the best, and I hope that you get more veterinarians in there. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, we, 
that's what we're looking forward to doing and, and promoting animal welfare because you know from that single dog now we're looking after dogs cats cows sheep um goats we've also had the odd camel that's come by um, and we've just opened the first yeah we've just opened the first ever donkey sanctuary yeah which is amazing working donkeys are just treated so badly out in afghanistan Aww. so we've now got six uh, full-time residents who'll never have to work again and can live out their old age so yeah you know, there's lots and lots of possibilities happening out in afghanistan and it's an exciting time great well i hope the best and thank you pen sandy and anna for talking to me and our show producer mark winter for making this show possible you can check out Nowzad's mission at www.nowzad.com. You can check out Pets for Vets New Brunswick on their Facebook page. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas for the show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>